What we have seen here in Philadelphia is democracy, pure and simple. Our founding fathers who conceived this system just a 15-minute walk down the street, I know would be proud. 233 years after the Constitutional Convention, we stand at this convention center and proclaim the system still works, the people have spoken, and God willing, we will have a peaceful transition to power in January. Now let's take just a moment now to introduce Commissioner Lisa Dilley, who is the chair of the Philadelphia City Commission. citizens of Philadelphia and across America. I think it's safe to say that democracy has won. Democracy is beautiful. We saw Octavius, the statue of Octavius Cotto right on City Hall where he died so that Americans can have access to, to the democratic process. And as we stand here today in 2020, people still have access to democracy. And it's a beautiful thing but we still want everyone to exert patience, ignore a lot of the noise that's going on, allow us to complete the counting process. And again, I'd like to thank everyone. I'd also like to thank my beautiful wife at home uh, with my six children while I'm down here doing all of the counting. I'd like to say, hi, wife, I love you and thank you. And right now I'd like to bring on our council president, Darrell Clark, who's a friend, who's a mentor, and a true leader of Philadelphia. Thank you, Commissioner. Good afternoon, everyone. So, to say this was a tumultuous year would be the understatement of the year. Um, we in the city of Philadelphia and across the nation have gone through some very, very challenging times. But in spite of that, all democracy works. 
democracy works. Um, I want to thank the commissioners who were given a short time frame to transition from the traditional in-person voting that Philadelphians are known for to having a mail-in ballot system, to have multiple options. And, and guys, I just want to say you did a great job. You did a great job. But in all due respect to you, you guys, I want to thank the people that worked. Every time you went by Broad Street or you went by City Hall or you went by Delaware and Spring Garden, the lights were on because we had a, literally hundreds of hardworking individuals in there making sure that this process worked. So I just want to thank everybody. I want to particularly thank the citizens of our city uh, who understood the need to participate um, at record numbers to a degree. Um, I want to thank the country uh, for understanding the need to have a reasonable process that allows the citizens to speak. So to everyone involved, and particularly these individuals here, the mayor, the commissioners, thank you all, and thank you for giving us an opportunity to allow democracy to work. We'll continue to monitor uh, that uh, news conference going on in Philadelphia. They're obviously feeling good about what they've done so far. Uh, we hear another two to 3,000 uh, ballots uh, they expect to count uh, today. Um, and they're obviously a little bit stunned about some of the accusations of, uh, of uh, uh, malfeasance uh, that have been uh, leveled by the Trump campaign. Let me bring in uh, Chuck and Kate Snow as well. I get that right. Two to 3,000 is what she That's said. That's what I heard, yep. Uh, and then 40,000 others, which... Would include provisional ballots? Right, provisional ballots, also uh, military overseas ballots, and any ballot that has some reason for review, she said, are in that 40,000 bucket that they won't get to for several days, she said. Those are the type of ballots that you almost have to deal with individually, you know, because some of them, why, why would there be a provisional ballot? Let me give you an easy example. You got your mail, you, you, you got your mail-in ballot, and then you, you, maybe you thought, mm, I'm not going to put it in the mail. Um, you were told if you brought your mail ballot in, you turned it in, then you could vote no problem. If you said, hey, I requested a mail ballot, but I don't have it, then they said you have to fill out a provisional ballot, and they just got to double check to make sure you didn't try to double vote. I mean, that, that is a... It's one of, one of the safeguards. Yeah. It's one of the safeguards, and, and many of these, you know, the, the, many of these states have individual barcodes so that literally you're a barcode, and they'll know immediately, they'll be able to find out pretty fast whether you essentially checked in twice. All right, but two, it takes two, time. But right. that takes time. You have to individually deal with it. Two to 3,000 uh, votes. How, how, how have the Philadelphia votes uh, been breaking? I, I, right here, I'll show you in, in Philly right now, that break, they've been breaking um, on the vote by mail, been breaking greater than what he called here. So, you know, let's, uh, if it's two to 3,000, you know, that means he's going to net anywhere um, from, you know, 1,000 to 1,200 uh, votes to his lead here. We do... It's interesting, we don't, and so with those other 40,000, we don't know how many of them end up being actual ballots. Let's say half of them are caught, that's another 20, you know, so that, that's a long way to go there. The, the suburbs, our estimates are another 15 to 20,000 ballots. But honestly, you know, we had this estimate that it was 20,000 in Philadelphia. Well, it turned out it's two to 3,000 plus this 40. I'm guessing somebody estimated that there'll be 20,000 more when all is said and done but they were making their own sort of shorthand estimate of how many of those 40,000 provisionals would actually get counted. The point is this. Um, the, the question is, will, will Joe Biden be able to get a lead that's outside of the recount provision, one half of 1%? I don't know if that happens today, uh, but the math is working in his favor. The math is not working in the president's favor. There is a big batch of ballots in Allegheny County that they won't even begin to count 
until 5 p.m. today. Uh, Allegheny in general has, uh, was a good county for Biden, not like uh, Philadelphia, but pretty good, 59% uh, of the vote essentially. And on the vote by mail, he's, uh, um, he's been winning greater. And these 30,000 ballots are, are, are mail-in ballots. They actually were mail-in ballots that were printed in error. And they had to create a settlement, and these are ballots that will, they'll, they'll then inspect and count starting at 5 p.m. today. It was part of a sort of a settlement after a court case there by, brought by uh, two local candidates. So that's another large chunk. Uh, and then we're starting to run out of ballots to count. And so we're getting close on our math, uh, but we're not there yet. All right, Chuck, let's, have, let's find out a little more about that situation in Allegheny County. We'll go to Stephanie Gost, who's in Philadelphia. Uh, what can you tell us about uh, those ballots in that, that county? Sure, Lester. It, it does get a little complicated, but let me take you back to the weeks and months before the election took place. Allegheny County sent out these 29,000 mail-in ballots, but there was a printing mistake, and then they said, oh, wait, uh, we have to reprint these and send them back out. Well, these two candidates, congressional candidates, GOP members, said, hang on a second, we're going to sue you uh, for how you handled all this. They went to court, and they had to settle um, on how they were going to deal with it moving forward. And the settlement basically said, okay, you can take these ballots when they come in, these mail-in ballots, but you have to put them aside because they have to be treated differently. And you can't start counting them until 5 o'clock tonight. And the reason that they have to be treated differently is also this, this question of you don't want people double voting. Like, how can they ensure that the person who received this ballot didn't vote on the old ballot or whatever it might be? They have to check voter rolls. So that's why that's going to happen later. And it's also going to be slower. It's going to be slower than just these regular mail-in ballots. So if it really comes down to that count Allen out in Allegheny County, it's going to be a couple more days at least before you get a good read of what, what those mail-in ballots are going to show us. All right, Stephanie Goss, thank you for walking us through that. I want to go to uh, Chris Jansing now. She's in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, uh, where we're seeing some of the passions of this uncertainty playing out uh, there behind you. Chris? Yeah, we have been seeing this over the course of the last couple of days. There have been uh, rallies on both sides. These happen to be what they call the Stop the Steal. They are sort of promulgating what uh, the president has been saying, which has been absolutely to prove that somehow if you count a vote after Election Day, that it's fraudulent. Of course, that's not the case. They're much quieter than they have been. And then every afternoon, we've been seeing the folks on the opposite side who say, just let the count continue. It does tell you a little bit, though, about the, the emotions that are still going on here. And I can tell you from my conversations with Democratic officials this morning, uh, who had been telling me for the last 24 hours, you wait, Joe Biden is going to go ahead in the vote count sometime in the early morning hours that there wasn't a whole lot of sense of celebration. There was more of a sense of, let's sit back, let's be calm, let's wait for this process to play out, which is just what we heard at that press conference, although there has been some pretty strong criticism of what the president has said and done and some of the folks around the president have said and done. But bottom line is, the folks I'm talking to still believe, and I just was in touch with them this morning, who have given me good information all along. They say they still think that Joe Biden can win this state by 100,000 votes, but it's not happening as quickly as they thought it might, Lester. All right, Chris Jansing and, and Harrisburg with the view from there. Thank you. I want to go to Hallie Jackson now at the White House. Hallie, 
What are we hearing uh, from President Trump's team today? Uh, they're obviously looking at the same numbers all of us are. Yeah. Listen, Lester, it is, a, it is a public posture of defiance, but behind the scenes, I can tell you, based on the reporting from my conversations with sources and the rest of our team's conversations as well, there is a grim understanding that is dawning of the reality of this race, that it seems to be slipping from the president's fingers, frankly, based on the numbers that we are seeing. I can tell you that people in and around the campaign uh, are feeling deflated. Campaign staffers largely reporting to campaign headquarters in Virginia today, but frankly, without much to do, hitting refresh on the computer to see where these results are, much the same way that members of the media are on those big boards and on those maps looking as returns roll in. There is no discussion, we are told, of the president thinking about conceding this race at any point, uh, at least not right now, with one person telling me that he is going to fight until the very last second. And that is the posture from the president, a fighting posture. But at the same time, there is real frustration from some allies and advisors of the president's that there is no field marshal, no field general, if you will, who is marshalling the Trump troops to be able to mount both a PR, a messaging strategy here, and a legal strategy as well. Because right now, it seems as though the path from the Trump campaign, if it's not going to go through the Electoral College, depending on how Pennsylvania goes, they're hoping it goes through the courts. That is why you are continuing to see these baseless claims of fraud being pushed by the Trump campaign, claims for which there is no evidence right now, no reports of fraud widespread, no reports of any systemic issues with the election. But right now, that is a focus publicly that the campaign is coalescing around. We should note that it's not just that the Trump team has presented no evidence to members of the media, right, or to these various states. There is no evidence in the courts, in the places where this legal battle is being pushed, with lawsuits being dismissed in Georgia and Michigan for that very reason, that ju the judges there said there's no evidence to back up the claim from the Trump campaign that anybody is breaking the law. But that seems to be what they have left at this point as the path simply gets narrower and narrower. At some point, Lester, I have been told over the last, you know, 36, 48 hours that the president has been extremely engaged in the vote count. He's been very engaged in where these tallies are. But at some point, there are some hard truths that will have to be delivered to the president. Uh, and I spoke with one person close to the White House who said rather sarcastically, nobody right now is willing to tell King Lear the truth about how this race is going. The president, of course, is watching the same numbers we are. We do not have an expectation that we will see him in the coming hours, at least not in the immediate afternoon, Lester. The White House press secretary says the discussions are still happening with no decision about whether the president plans to speak publicly if if he were to, it wouldn't be until at least after 2 o'clock in the afternoon, based on what we have heard uh, from the White House here already today, Lester. All right. Uh, thanks to the view there from Hallie. Uh, clearly, the, this, this race is still on. But uh, Chuck, very quickly, check me. Has there been an instance in the modern era where a candidate who is clearly on the, on the losing side of the, of the numbers refused to accept and concede? I'm well, putting on the spot. Oh, Al Gore made a call and then... Uh, look, you know, there's plenty of Georgia Republicans who believe Stacey Abrams never conceded in the, in the 2018 Senate uh, gubernatorial race. You know, she certainly stood down, and the question is, is it semantic? You know, you know, I don't think she's ever accepted that she but lost in that a race. Presidential election, but um, not in a president. You know, in a presidential, yeah. no. I mean, I think Herbert Hoover didn't speak to FDR when they rode, uh, rode down to the Capitol. Yeah. I think they were over. And Harry Truman and Dwight Eisenhower might not have spoken. I wish we had Lesh lost here right well, now. Let me, well, let me, I, 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 hate, to be, I hate to put you on the spot. Uh, it just dawned on me when she talked about yeah. that, and it was like, oh, is it? Yeah, we well, have 
Uh, I'm, I'm thinking back to 2000 and Al Gore making the phone call to George W. Yeah, Bush yeah. and saying, I concede, and then calling back yeah. and saying, oops, no, I I'm don't. Pulling it, yes. pulling it back. Yeah. And then we, you know, how many weeks? But he Three was weeks? watching yeah. those the numbers. Well, that, and, he right. did, and he conceded on the night of uh, the, the night of his trip toward yeah. the Capitol. Let, uh, let me bring, uh, jo joining in the conversation now, former Democratic Missouri Senator Claire McCaskill and conservative columnist and editor of National Review, Rich Lowry, both are NBC News political uh, contributors. And Claire, I'll start with you. This this idea that if if the numbers, the, the numbers we're seeing, and uh, you know, uh, break one way or the other, you know, well, let's say they break for Joe Biden and Donald Trump does not concede. What does we've never been there? What what does that what does that put into play? Well, I think Team Biden just moves forward, behaving like a president-elect would, and ignores the behavior that may be coming from the Oval Office in the coming weeks. You know, here's the thing. The credibility of this race is important. And I think one of the things that we need to continually point out is that two of these states, are the elections are run by Republicans, both in Nevada and in Georgia. Those are Republican secretaries of state. They are the officials responsible for the administration of the election and making sure that there is no fraud, making sure that everything is done by the book. So winning those two states is really important for the credibility of the result. I know he doesn't need them if we get Pennsylvania, but it still adds a certain air of credibility that the Republicans in those states say there's no fraud. Yeah, Rich, have you played the what-if game here? If, uh, if the numbers just go against the president, um, Joe Biden reaches 270, and the president does not concede or continues to go on the on the offense, what that looks like and what that means for the Republicans? Well, I, I don't think he's ever going to say, I lost fair and square. He'll just never say it. And he's not going away. You know, when he's... Uh, most presidents, after they, they lose or they've served two terms, there's at least a time when you don't hear from, from them for a while when they're out of office. That is not going to apply here, obviously. And I think he very well may be thinking of running in 2024, and it'll help him to run as, as a martyr of an allegedly stolen election. Richard, I've got to cut you off just for a second. We're going to go to uh, Las Vegas, Clark County election officials holding a uh, news conference now. The microphone. If you're not using the microphone, I'm going to ask you to get to the microphone to ask the question. Now, starting off, I'd like to put some information out for voters to help them. In Joseph Glorios uh, speaking, and uh, for some reason we're having uh, more audio problems coming out of there, but uh, we've been watching the numbers in uh, Nevada um, beginning to uh, widen or break more. Uh, well, actually, we just got some. You got new numbers? Yes. Lehigh okay. County, uh, Allentown. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Oh, this is Pennsylvania. Okay. Pennsylvania, uh, uh, basically about another 6,000 votes. Uh, they broke two to one for Biden, and you can see his, his, his share went up another, uh, another tenth of a percent. Uh, and the difference is now 12,000. 12, so it's, uh, we told you, there are, of all the suburban counties, there are two to 3,000 ballots in each one of them that we expect throughout the afternoon. Yeah, this notion, though, that uh, I think it was Kristen Halley was reporting that, that the, uh, yeah, who said it, that there could be 100,000 of... Oh, that, uh, Chris Jansen. Chris Jansen, I'm saying. people still think they're going to win by 100,000 votes. Look. Maybe when all the provisionals are done, and, and it, it, I'm not going to rule that out, 
that math, but you know, it's it, there's been this happy talk. Philadelphia did not come in quite as big as uh, the Biden folks thought it was going to. Uh, it came. He got a margin much closer to what Hillary Clinton got, which was about forty to fifty thousand less out of Philadelphia County net than what Barack Obama got in twenty twelve. So, you know, I, I'll I'll be honest. I think some of these Democratic estimates have all been we're all a little bullish um, because the reality has come in. Yes, they have all broke. The ballots have broken big for Biden. There's just not been as many of them uh, left that they thought. All right, I'm going to try to re-energize the brain cells. In the meantime, we'll go. We'll go back to uh, back to Nevada, Clark County. Uh, Joseph Gloria. You only saw thirty thousand instead of the fifty-one. However, the universe of ballots that I communicated yesterday is still accurate. The only thing you need to do is take it down approximately 20,500 from the 51 to the 30,000. But the 63,000 ballots that I reported yesterday are in the state, in the system in various stages. So those will still expect it to be report, reported. Beginning today, we will begin to re report our results two times a day. So you've already seen the update for this morning. In the afternoon, we will be putting up a fresh report on the mail ballots that have been read into the system sometime before 4 o'clock. We're required to report to the Secretary of State first. Once they've met, uh, indicated to us that they've received it and it's verified, we'll be able to post on our end. So rather than give you a specific time, I'll just tell you that it'll be sometime before 4 p.m. Now, one more time, I'd like to go through the ballots that are separate from that universe that I reported. We still have the provisional ballots. All of our laptops from Election Day have been downloaded, so all of that information is available to my staff. Today, we will start in earnest reviewing provisional ballots. There are 60,000 of those to go through um, in, in various categories. Now, I want to remind you that we have to coordinate with the Secretary of State because again, we are not a top-down registration state. We work from the bottom up. So all 17 counties have to report to the secretary. They still have not given me the instructions. I know that they're on the way, but at some point they'll let us know when to send our report up and that will be the tool that they use to match against the other 16 counties in Nevada to make sure that nobody's duplicated a vote in one county to the next because we want to prevent that. Once we do that, we can begin to release the provisional ballots into count. However, that won't happen until the Secretary of State verifies that report. A reminder that the ID required voters, their deadline is today at 5 p.m. For those who were required to provide an ID, that has to be sent to us by 5 p.m. today. We have a cure line available at 702-455-6552 where we have staff available to assist those individuals was getting that into us. The U.S. mail update for this morning, we received 241 ballots in today's mail that will be added to that number that I'm calling my, my universe of ballots to be counted. Uh, it's looking pretty clear that the number of ballots is going to continue to go down. However, I wanted to ensure the general public, we have been working very close with our regional supervisor at the U.S. Postal Service and they're doing an excellent job of reviewing all of the post stations here in Clark County. In fact, they have them sweeping regularly more than once on a daily basis, and if they identify anything that needs to be delivered to the office, they get it to our office 
within three to four hours. It doesn't even go through the process of uh, having it set up for us to pick up. They're physically delivering those. So we appreciate their effort. Uh, they're making sure, just as we are, that we're counting every ballot that's eligible to be counted. So our thanks to the U.S. Postal Service locally. The cure process is another group of ballots that we need to process. They have until Thursday, the 12th of November, to cure that. My staff will not leave this facility until we've counted all of those ballots that have been identified as curable. AB4 was very clear in the legislate, legislative special session that we have to have all ballots counted by November 12th. And with that, I'll open it up for questions. Remember, you need to be at the mic. Good morning, right there. Joseph Glorio, the registrar uh, in uh, Clark County, Nevada, the most populous county in Nevada, giving a, a bit more of a breakdown. Does that offer a little more clarity, uh, Chuck? A little. Uh, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, twice a, day. a little. We got twice a day. Um, look, I, I said our, 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 we're, we're close. Um, the president actually just netted a little bit out of Carson City. Um, we just got a, a, a mini report out of there, too. But he only netted about 1,000 votes, so it should have curious to see. So Joe Biden's lead is sitting uh, at 20,000, but we got um, out of here the president. This is a, a county that, that is where the capital is. Um, by the way, as a kid, I always thought, why did Johnny Carson get a county like that? <laughs> it's like three or four. But I, 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 I now get it. Um, just a little confession there. So he netted about, um, uh, about a, a, I think, a 1,000 votes out of there. But still, we're pretty close here. That next batch that's, that he's promising to come out uh, at this point, um, we have already uh, changed. You know, we technically changed how we characterize Nevada. It was earlier today, based on that, we went from too close to call on its own to too close to call Joe Biden leading. And so uh, the next batch um, is is likely to be the most definitive uh, batch that we review yet. And that's the one I think he said uh, it's come 4, 4 p.m., 7, 7 p.m. Eastern right. time. So we'll, uh, of course, watch for that. Also keeping our eye on Pennsylvania, I want to bring in Democratic Senator from Pennsylvania, Bob Casey. Senator, good to see you. Thank you for joining us. Thanks. I don't know if you were able to hear the briefing just a short time ago uh, in Philadelphia on the count there, but uh, they seem to be making progress. What's your assessment as to where your state is and, uh, and, and when we'll have some resolution? Well, thanks, Lester. Uh, obviously, Joe Biden's ahead, and uh, right around 10,000, I guess it is. I haven't been able to look uh, the last uh, number of minutes, but he's ahead, I think, by the, the in the next uh, day or so when we have a more complete count. Uh, there'll there'll be a number that, that probably is in the, the you know the double figure thousands. But ultimately, ultimately, uh, the best assessment that I've seen is that um, it'll be a hundred thousand vote uh, margin. When you know, I say ultimately, I mean when there's an official count that is the predicate for certification. So, uh, but that may take, that's going to probably take two weeks to to have that completed because you've got according to the uh, the York Daily Record of 92,500 provisional ballots uh, in the state, so that's a big number. We, um, we've we watched in some of our reporting from uh, Pennsylvania, there are uh, supporters of the president who are uh, out raising concerns about uh, malfeasance in terms of the election count. Are you worried that we could see Joe Biden, you know, cross over the 270 finish line and, and uh, become the uh, perhaps the next next president. Are you worried, though, about the lingering aftertaste of this if the president continues to push this idea that something's amiss? 
president's been engaged in this kind of conduct and making these kinds of statements for a long time. Um, he lies all the time. He, he uh, has asked, you know, has continually raised questions about uh, mail-in ballots in our in our system of voting. He's look. He's a he's kind of a one-man um, underminer of democracy. Uh, and when he does that, he hurts our national security. However, however despite all that, uh, despite intimidation tactics and every, everything the president said and did the last number of months, people vote in record numbers. Uh, Joe Biden's gonna is gonna be the president of the United States because he will have won the Electoral College. And at some point, Lester, the Constitution marches forward, and the president's got to decide whether he stands in front of the Constitution and gets steamrolled by it, or whether he accepts the will of the people. That's his decision, but he's not going to prevail. All right. Senator Bob Casey, great to have you on. Thank you for your time. Thanks. Kristen Welker is at Joe Biden headquarters in Wilmington, Delaware. What's the situation there right now, Kristen? Well, Lester, campaign officials telling me they are elated and increasingly confident that Joe Biden will, in fact, prevail in this race. We are told that there has really been a celebratory atmosphere throughout the day. In fact, on the morning call with campaign officials, one top official said, we did it. Now, there are a number of those close to the vice president within the campaign are saying, let's not get too excited until we have the final call. And in fact, the vice president himself, we are told, watching this very patiently, and he sort of has the perspective that he has wanted to and tried to run for president over the past 30-some years, so what is waiting another few hours? The Biden campaign striking a quite defiant note, though, as it relates to what you were just talking about with Senator Casey and what you all have been talking about there at the set. The fact that President Trump is signaling that he is not going to concede, at least he's not going to do it easily, here's what one Biden official said on the record, this is from Andrew Bates, who's the Biden campaign spokesperson, quote, as we said on July 19th, the American people will decide this election, and the United States government is perfectly capable of escorting trespassers out of the White House. So that gives you a sense of how they are approaching uh, what we are hearing from President Trump. And I can tell you inside Biden world, there is some concern, but it's not going to prevent the vice president, if and when there is a call, from addressing the nation. That is something that could happen in prime time, I'm told. And let me just set the scene here for you. We are here at the uh, convention center where Biden spoke Tuesday into Wednesday. And I can tell you that there have been signs of life over the past 24 hours. There have been mic checks that have been going on, tinkering with the stage going on. And now more cars, in fact, Lester, as you know, the uh, drive-in rally has been a real signature for the Biden campaign, so now more cars in the parking lot. So it feels like they are preparing for something to happen. We are also told uh, just moments ago that Senator Harris, if and when the vice president speaks, will speak as well. She, of course, uh, will make history if this race is called for the Biden ticket because she would be the first black female vice president-elect. So uh, they are preparing for something big here, and they continue to be defiant in the face of the president trying to claim that there has been voter fraud. But again, stressing the vice president Biden has been very clear. He believes every vote needs to be counted, and he doesn't want to celebrate until there is a conclusion to this race, Lester. All right, Kristen, thank you. We're going to go back to Nevada now, where officials just said they have 63,000 ballots yet to be counted. NBC's Jacob Soboroff uh, was at that Clark County uh, press conference. What more can you tell us about uh, what they're expecting in Nevada? 
Hey, Lester, so the press conference is ongoing right now. Same gentleman we heard from yesterday, Joe Gloria, who yesterday had told us we were going to have 51,000 ballots uh, today, released today. And this morning, uh, there was a little confusion because there were only around 30,000 ballots that were released in that updated total uh, that increased Joe Biden's lead here in the state to, I believe, around 21,000. Uh, well, turns out that was uh, an erroneous number that was given out by the secretary, excuse me, the registrar here yesterday. That will be the total number uh, for this morning, the 30,000 ballots. There are still uh, overall 63,000 outstanding. The change here today is that we will get a second report. So far uh, during this process, they've only reported one new um, ballot dump, for lack of a better term, uh, a day. We're going to get a second one today before 4 o'clock local time, 7 p.m., uh, on the East Coast. And again, there has been some criticism here that uh, for a state that is so consequential, things have been moving relatively slowly. And if I can, just like we did yesterday, Lester, I just want to show you that in the area where the ballot scanner machines are right now, and they are um, those white things, they look kind of like big printers. Over there, there's another one. These are election observers in the in the foreground here. Hi, how are you? Um, it doesn't appear that they're actually doing any scanning of the ballots right now. So. I don't know if it's a, a volume issue, a processing issue, that they're not able to go um, as fast as they would like to, um, but the reality is with all of these outstanding ballots, and I'm talking about the mail-in ballots, not even the provisional ballots, that goes beyond the 63,000 number. Um, there are still a lot of ballots to count here. Um, because of a staff error, we were told we were going to get 51,000 this morning. It turns out we only ended up getting uh, in the 30,000 neighborhood. Um, but. Uh, Joe Gloria, the registrar, is continuing his briefing right now, and we hope to continue to get some more information. And we know at least uh, by 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, we'll have a second round of new data coming out of here in Clark County, where Nevada is. All right, Jacob, thanks for walking us through all that. Uh, John Ralston's been covering Nevada politics for a very long time, lately for the Nevada Independent. He joins us now. John, what, what, what's your understanding of the confusion there between that you know, 51,000 versus 30,000? Well, my understanding, Lester, is, and I don't want to get too much in the weeds here, is there's essentially a difference between ballots and cards. Some ballots are longer than others, and they erroneously gave out a number of how many cards uh, there were and not and not ballots. I, I have to tell you, uh, as I've been saying uh, here uh, all, all week, uh, I have great respect for Joe Gloria and the people who run these elections uh, here, but there's clearly been just bad communications, and it's been it allowed the Republicans to raise questions and allowed us in the media to say what the heck is going on. But it looks like they fixed everything now, and I'm glad they're going to be doing two reports a day, uh, Lester. But the big news, of course, is what those 30,000 uh, ballots showed, which is what I've been saying, as you know, Lester, that the, that the Democrats won the mail consistently by two to one in Clark County. Most of the ballots are, are that are left are in Clark County. Biden's lead uh, has essentially doubled today. The mail ballots essentially showed two to one today. They showed the same thing yesterday. And despite uh, what Chuck Tentative Todd is saying, Nevada is over. Hey, buddy. You just have a response. Yeah, look, man, you know, we're, we're not at that 99.5. Uh, and, you know, at the end of the day, with a lot of scrutiny that we're all under these days, John, I think you know, uh, you, you know the cautious nature. And I really think, frankly, We've seen this with all of the election, the folks that, that not just run election desks, but I'm talking about the folks counting the ballots. There's a there's an extra methodical nature. Tell me what's going on in Reno. Where there uh, any uh, uh, there's just not much left out of uh, out of Washoe County. 
Yeah, there's a few hundred ballots that came out today, Chuck, uh, that were updated in that total, and Biden won uh, by a little bit. And, and you know Nevada as well as anyone who doesn't live here. Uh, Chuck, Washoe has been the key in the last few elections here in the sense that it used to be a Republican county, but now the Democrats are consistently winning here. Hillary Clinton won by about 2,700 votes. Biden has uh, even a bigger lead, as you can see uh, right there. And, and both uh, Governor Sisolak and Senator Rosen, who were supposedly in very tight races uh, last cycle, both won Washoe County, uh, and that extended their margin. So there's not enough votes left in, in Washoe to really move the needle that much. Not enough left in the rurals either, Chuck. And so all those votes that are left are in Clark County. Uh, there's no reason to believe that Biden isn't going to win the rest of those mail ballots by close to two to one. And then there's about 60,000 or so, I think, provisional ballots, most of which probably will count. These are same-day registrants uh, who, who got provisional ballots. That was a new law that was passed. The same-day registration ballots in Clark County before now have been pretty even. The Republicans have done a pretty good job, but they have to do much better than even uh, right. uh, among those. So uh, unless there's something really anomalous yeah. going on, uh, there's no way that uh, Trump does anything but lose votes here from now on. Hey, John, I, I look, I know when all is said and done, it looks like the margin for Joe Biden is going to look it's not that dissimilar to what, what Hillary Clinton got. Um, what you learned over the last four years, what changed and what didn't? Well, you know, it's interesting because not a lot really has changed. And you just said it yourself, Chuck. It looks like, again, uh, if the progression continues, right. that Joe Biden in the state by about the same margin as Hillary Clinton, about two and a half percentage points. Now, the Republicans uh, have been doing this since 2008. They've been trying to, uh, you know, figure out how to unlock the Clark County key, uh, which has been, been everything for the Democrats. As you know, early voting here is usually two-thirds of the vote. The Democrats build up a, a huge bank of votes, and there's not enough votes left on Election Day. They thought, the Republicans thought they had a plan this time that was going to pay off, but it was, especially with what the president uh, and, and his campaign have been doing, it was reliant on them being slightly ahead uh, on Election Night. That did not happen. That's when they knew uh, or believed that they had uh, lost the state. You know, Chuck, we're going to have to wait for the exit polls to see if the Latino vote here was down this time. What else happened? Right. But really, not much has changed. Now, the one thing that jumped out in the exit poll, and I'm curious and, and, uh, of what of what you think a Biden administration ought to take away from them when they think about Nevada, and is Nevada was one of the few battleground states that said, hey, we'd like to uh, prioritize uh, restarting the economy over containing the, the virus. Um, only Ohio was the only other battleground state that I think chose economy over the virus, which to me actually made a lot of sense. Um, what, 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 what should a Biden, if it indeed is a Biden White House, how should a Biden White House think about um, this uh, balance that Nevada voters uh, seem to be concerned about? You know, uh, Chuck, the way you just framed that, and, I, and you see those uh, polling results up there, is the key question for Nevada. The Republicans tried to change that perception here uh, by essentially saying, look, they didn't do what you just said. The governor, who was a Democrat, didn't restart the economy. Steve Sisolak essentially forced the casinos to shut down really early uh, because the coronavirus was so bad here. Uh, and that was devastating to the economy because after the casinos, Chuck, there ain't much here when it comes to the economy. And so that was devastating. So the Republicans jumped on that. They tried to substitute uh, Sisolak for Biden on the ballot, essentially saying, if you don't like what the lockdown did to the economy, uh, then vote against uh, Joe Biden. 
and, and as, as a proxy uh, for Steve Sisko. Uh, we don't know if that worked, but, but it was a pretty smart strategy, if you ask me, Chuck. But it's much more nuanced than that, right? Things have been open up or opening up for, for quite some time. But there's a lot of people out of work, Chuck, and the unemployment system here has been dysfunctional, so there's a lot of anger. How much that played into this, again, we have some exit polling data. I, I'm going to wait a little bit longer you should wait. to yeah. see how that All right, gentlemen, thank you, John. Uh, Hallie Jackson at the White House right now. Hallie, you've got some new information. Well, I want to I want to answer some of the questions, Lester, that you and the panelists have been talking about here uh, regarding the idea uh, of where President Trump's head is at as we look at this race and where things stand currently. And there was this question, right, of if it continues to move in the direction that it's headed in Pennsylvania, and again, NBC News has not called this race. It is still obviously still very active. Uh, would the president concede this? Let me just make a couple of points here. Remember. Conceding, that is not a statutory or constitutional mandate. That is a tradition. It is not a requirement by law, Lester. So the one thing we know about this president, he does not hold tradition in high regard in many instances. So there is no indication that he would do so, at least until, according to our sources, after the recounts, the canvassing, the certifications have been completed. The latest deadline for that, I believe, in the five states that are still outstanding is December 1st. And I think that's the Wisconsin certification. So there is sort of that piece of things at play here. But I also want to point to if past is precedent, right, and if the president's past actions provide a roadmap of where he goes from here, I want to flash you back to what was happening at the end of 2016 and early 2017. After Donald Trump had already locked up the Electoral College, he was already president-elect, he was inaugurated, he was president, he still insisted that the popular vote count was not valid making back then even fraudulent claims of voter irregularity going so far as to create, do you remember this? The Voter Commission, a Presidential Commission on Election Integrity, it ultimately found nothing untoward. It, it disbanded, I think, in 2018. But even as recently as last year, Chuck, the president was still telling you in that interview yeah. you conducted with Meet the Press that he felt like there was still concerns or that it was, it was not accurate, the popular vote count. And I think that speaks to the president's ability to hold on to what he sees as uh, something unfair, his, his sort of aggrieved uh, sense of things. And so I don't think there is any indication that that is changing in the next couple of months, oh, Hallie, if in fact this this. Let me take direction. you back. You went back to 16. I'm going to take you back earlier that year. The Iowa caucuses. The That's first right. time Donald Trump ever faced any set of voters were the Iowa caucuses. He lost. And I just went back to remind, I know what my memory was, but I am just went back to all the headlines were uh, when the Donald Trump type, Donald Trump claims Ted Cruz stole Iowa caucuses with calls. So this is a, it, you know, there is a pattern here it, when he doesn't, and in fact, I think he lost the Wisconsin primary, also was a big moment. And again, he accused, you know, of their, because everybody piled on him and everybody sort of rallied around him. So he has never accepted any loss as legitimate. He didn't accept the Iowa caucuses as legitimate. He didn't accept, I believe, um, um, uh, the Wisconsin primary, Indiana primary. I'm, my memory is a little foggy right now. He didn't accept the popular vote, as Hallie pointed out. And so uh, history says he's not going to accept this, no matter what it is. There's been a, a video that's been going viral on social media. I think it was last night. Hillary Clinton, in one of the debates, making this point to the president back in 2016. When right. they were debating, saying, you're the person that had, you know, she repeated several instances of right. the president sticking but to what, his ground. What's worth noting is that we're talking about it. Well, and as, as, as Rich Lowry, I thought, pointed out really well, he said he, he, he quoted his own column from my tour. He's like, Donald Trump's pattern is 
that Donald Trump admitted, yes, I whine sometimes. I whine till I don't. Was the quote, I think, that Rich Lowry was paraphrasing. So, uh, this, Donald Trump's entire career, he has found success basically well, denying reality. Well, Howie, what he, about that? bent the will sometimes of an alternative reality into his reality. But, Howie, if you're still with us, I mean, we're looking at this Pennsylvania numbers. You know we have not called them, but, but a, a lot of folks may see the handwriting on the wall. How, do, how does the Trump campaign see a path? All right, so you complained about, um, you know, illegal voting. Do they honestly see a way to to figure out a win that, that defies whatever that ultimate uh, electoral vote number is? I will tell you, Lester, based on my conversations over the past, I don't know, few hours since the Pennsylvania numbers started coming in, increasingly for Joe Biden this morning, I, I cannot confidently stand here and say that the campaign overall honestly, truly sees a path right now in Pennsylvania based on the electoral, based on the, the ballot numbers that are coming in. What I will say is that I do think that they are gearing up for this legal fight, this legal strategy moving forward, specifically in Pennsylvania, and specifically related to the case that is already in front of the Supreme Court regarding late-arriving mail-in ballots. That is where a lot of the focus is right now, because if, the, if they're not going to get there based on the count as it stands now, they're hoping to get there based on the courts. But I will say there is real consternation and real frustration and concern that that legal strategy is, is frankly, a bit of a mess at the moment. There are those in, in the president's orbit uh, who are allies, advisors, who are very concerned that there is not clear leadership on that front, that there is not somebody who is acting like, you know, the, the Ted Olson, if you will, back in 2000 uh, in Florida to try to mount a concerted, clear legal effort on behalf of the Trump campaign. Partly the framing of that, right, to compare what's happening in Pennsylvania to what's happening in Florida is intended to give the Trump campaign an air of legitimacy that doesn't seem to exist based on the legal challenges they've put forward so far with judges dismissing cases that have already been filed because there's just not evidence to back up what the Trump campaign is saying. I'll also note that, you know, Lester, you and I were talking, what, 24 hours ago about the, the lawsuit being threatened to file, be filed in Nevada. That actually hasn't materialized yet, right? That has not been formally filed by the Trump campaign. These are threats that we are seeing. There is that threat for the Wisconsin recount and others. Uh, but at this point, not clear how that legal strategy moves forward for President Trump. All right, Hallie, thanks. And uh, you kind of teed us up to where we want to go next. Let's take a closer look at the legal questions surrounding this election now with Justice Correspondent Pete Williams and Ned Foley, an expert in constitutional law and the director of the Election Law Program at Ohio State University. First to you, Pete. What is the status of that, of that Pennsylvania suit about late-arriving ballots? So I will admit that Professor Foley and I talk about 25 times a day, probably more than he would like to answer my phone calls. But I, as I see it, there are basically only two kinds of lawsuits currently active that could actually affect the vote total. Now, the first one is the one that Hallie was just talking about, the lawsuit in the Supreme Court challenging the state Supreme Court's decision to extend the deadline for mail ballots until Friday. How much of a difference might that make? We can't say until we know how many mail ballots actually came in between 8 o'clock on Tuesday night and Friday at 5 p.m. So that could be important. Maybe not. We'll see how many votes there are. The question is, was the state Supreme Court able to do that to extend the deadline, or can that be only done by the legislature? That's the legal question. The other kind of lawsuit that could affect the vote total is in state court in Pennsylvania. And here's the issue. In some counties, at least two counties that we know of, uh, Montgomery County and Northampton County, the officials gave 
mail voters a chance to come in and fix their ballots if they had a problem with them. If they left off a date, there was some technical problem, they could fix the ballot or cast a provisional ballot. The Republicans say, you can't do that under state law. State law doesn't allow that. The Democrats say, well, state law doesn't specifically allow it, but it doesn't specifically prohibit it either. So that's a legal question for the state courts in Pennsylvania to decide. It does seem to me that that lawsuit, while the Supreme Court lawsuit could look back at the votes that were cast in that extended period, these state court lawsuits are only forward-looking. If the courts say, yep, you're right, you can't let people cast a provisional ballot, they would have to stop counting any ballots that they knew of were in that category. But they'll undoubtedly cast a lot of ballots already, and you can't go back and now try to fish them out and figure out which ones they were or who they voted for. And, in, and then in Nevada, that's the only other state where there's any active litigation right now, and it's a lawsuit filed by two candidates for Congress who say that in Clark County they should stop using automated equipment to compare the signatures on mail ballots to what's on file. And again, that is also forward-looking because it wouldn't affect any ballots that were already screened. So there are only two states right now, Lester, in which there's active litigation. And, and Professor Foley, in any of those cases, would you see a potential major change in the vote totals as we will have known them? No, I don't see that. It doesn't seem to me that the litigation really is likely to affect the outcome in either of those states. And, and so what are the, uh, you know, Hallie raised the issue of there doesn't seem to be a clear-cut legal strategy for the, the, the Trump campaign in terms of the nature of the kind of lawsuits. Do they feel scattershot? Is it important uh, that they come up with a, with a kind of a broader strategy? Yeah, I think uh, in uh, this kind of litigation involving recounts or uh, fights over the counting of votes, you often see litigation filed even if it doesn't have merit because the candidate that's behind needs to do something, otherwise they're going to stay behind. But often these lawsuits just end up uh, just going away because they lack merit. All right, Professor Foley and uh, Pete, thank you very much. And uh, Chuck, you had something you want to Well, add? what I have is a perfect example as to why um, the Biden folks have so much confidence, why worse, why we believe um, when all the votes are counted, Joe Biden's lead continues to expand in Pennsylvania. I want to point out, we just got some numbers out of Crawford County. Crawford County in the Erie, Pennsylvania media market, county just below here. You can see Donald Trump. It's a good, strong performance for him, 68%. We got... We just got 4,400 uh, vote by mail ballots in here. Um, Joe Biden won 61% of the 4,000 mail-in ballots we just added into here. And, and Donald Trump won uh, about 37%. The point is, is that we were telling you, all the vote by mail, it didn't matter where vote by mail came from. If it came from a red county or it all leaned heavily Joe Biden. So here is a county where he will overall barely top 30% of the vote. And yet, just now, he's when, when he won a vote, this, this most recent one, all of the vote by mail, I mean, we just basically had Republicans voted in person, Democrats voted so by it, mail, so and it's just a perfect example of, of why all of this vote did this sort of this is a case, the red mirage, and then... And then right, the so at the end of the, end of the day, did the Trump campaign do itself a disservice by talking down early voting? I mean... Well, no, because their turnout came out. They're going to they're gonna get more people to vote in Pennsylvania this time than they did four years ago. No, what I would say is we did a disservice to the American people because we're sitting here, and I think Trump's...